Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I am Adam. And I've got a mouthful of energy drink. Um, <laughs> we uh, we are recording. I've got a mouthful of something else. Gold. Because we're in the same room. We are. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah we are. That's why we need energy drink. But a peek behind the curtain. We're meeting once a month now, and recording two episodes back to back. Which is why one will be high energy, and the second one will be like. Oh, I've been doing this for an hour and a half now. I'm shattered. Um, oh yeah, but when we start talking about this one, I'm sure the energy will appear. It might do. It'll go. It'll go stick. So we are covering 1993's John Carpenter's Body Bags, um, an interesting anthology film. Uh, Adam, you picked. This one, yes. is there a reason you? Um, I I wanted to get because as you've 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 now revealed the magic, so the podcast circle will come and get you now <laughs> because you've revealed how how we're doing this. Um, but also, it was kind of like right if we're going to do anthologies, probably need to find something that's not. We couldn't do two amicus because you'd be too busy going was. Was that we, one in this yeah, one, or was yeah. it in that one? So um, I thought it's different enough, but also it's mainly to just prove to Adam and Bobby from Not For Everyone podcast, listen to the Not For Everyone podcast, because it's great. It is great. Um, but also to prove to them, we remember body bags, don't you start dissing body bags? Well, they, might well, they didn't diss body bags, but they were just like, they mentioned it as like a video cover and said, yeah, but that's a film that no one remembers. One of us may agree with that, but um, <laughs> but before we get to that, so Chris, with this being your first viewing of Body Bags, what did you make of it? Well, as I mentioned on the previous episode, I was surprised to see Denham Elliott, who I now know, and realised that we must have talked about previously, because he's in some of the other films we've watched, and I obviously forgot all about that. And in this one, I did not expect to see Mr Luke Skywalker himself, Mark yeah. Hamill, in what I would... Uh, suggest is a sh- the most oddest viewing of him that I would have <laughs> ever expected um, because yeah to see him uh, in a, a sort of surreal situation where he's almost kind of necrophiliac because yeah, yeah oh no because he's he's, he's, yeah, he's viewing his wife as kind of dead you saying mostly stabbed I've got written here, not to jump into it too quickly, but I've got written here in capitals, too much scene. Yeah, well, there was a lot of scene, there, yeah. Too <laughs> much scene. On the big, on the big screen, <laughs> it was noticeable. It, the, the scene where he's having sex, like, it's all on display. His junk is <laughs> yeah, right, right there. No, like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that can't be him, though. That must be a, a body a double. double. Or it's got to be. Because you like, don't see his face in that, I noticed. No, but you do definitely see everything else. Yeah, you, see, like, you see his little Luke. Oh, his was, little lightsaber. See his little lightsaber and a couple of Sith Lords. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh my god, it's like That's, full on, like, there's hardcore porn out there that I'm sure shows you less than that. <laughs> poor Twiggy. But yeah. yeah. This film does also have a distinction in being, in being a film that features... Two people have been in Absolutely Fabulous as themselves. Who's that? Twiggy and Debbie Harry. Mm. Both played themselves in Absolutely Fabulous. Uh, I was re-watching those uh, at the beginning of lockdown. But then 
everything else happened and I didn't get all the way through. I didn't think I'd get past about season one, but I do need to go back and rewatch them because they're fantastic. Um, so yes, apart from Mark so, so that, no, that, Yeah, I mean, all right, look, that was the standout. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll be pleased to hear you say that, I'm sure. Um, but it was just great to see him in something else again because I, I, every time, and there's not a huge amount, which I still think is surprising. Obviously, he's not the greatest actor and he's... His best acting, I imagine, was Luke Skywalker, which I think he did impeccably. But um, it, he was in The Giver, and that mm. was also quite strange to see him in that the first time. Was yeah. like, whoa, this is this is pretty weird. Um, but yeah, and so now to have seen him in this, and it's, I think he does pretty good in it. Um, I think both him and Twiggy, the accents are varying, and I'm not quite sure. He's because obviously he's doing the possession thing, so he's going. Yeah, he's going yeah, all yeah. early uh, from uh, California, so he's going all sort of exploitation sort of mm. voice. Um, but yeah, at one point uh, when we was watching it, at one point Claire was just like, "Can Twiggy pick an accent?" Yeah. <laughs> See, it might be this. Is what I was sort of saying about anthologies. Somehow, I I don't know if I don't have the same expectation. Or need it mm. to be too perfect. It somehow I sort of give it a bit of a, a free ride on on a certain few aspects. Again, it's almost like it's more fun without trying to be too. Yeah. You know, this is a serious bit of, of art, and then that is added to by the fact that John Carpenter is playing the role that he's playing in this. Yeah. yeah. Which is very you know is being comical, and I, I didn't expect to see him. In this either, I don't know. You probably mentioned it, but I mean, I mean to be fair, not wishing to, not wish to be rude, because heaven alone knows I will suck John Carpenter's <laughs> balls from here to Kingdom Come. <laughs> but he looks healthier in this than he does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. He does. I mean, I have no idea what he looked like. Actually, um, there was when I was in uh, when. Uh, well, I'm still in VHS Orchestra. We just haven't done anything for years. But when I was in a band, and we and it was with um, former guest uh, Drew and former mm. guests and Lee's brother Dean, <laughs> we used a picture of the him with the two other morgue attendants. Mm. We used a picture of that as our thing, um, like our. Um, Cover on Bandcamp for a song. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember who it was, but someone thought it was a picture of us, <laughs> and they thought John Carpenter was Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was just like skinny, long hair. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, uh, but um, yeah, it was. It, yeah, that does. <laughs> that does still make me laugh. But yeah, he really goes. Um, Crypt Keeper. Yeah, he's yeah. like a, a a real like a non puppet Crypt Keeper. He's doing because actually that's the thing as well that was a nice contrast to try and make sure that we didn't confuse the two films. Mm. Is with this you get the American anthology films, yeah. which not to say that the Amicus ones aren't fun or anything else like that, but they stick to the EC Comics thing of. Yeah, like they have a, a sort of serious, like you know, it'll be the crypt master or whatever like that. You know, the of the wraparound story or whoever's bringing the things in. They always go for someone with a bit of sort of gravitas or whatever mm. like that. 
or just completely ignore it, you know, don't yeah. have that figure. But this is that very American thing, like you get with Creep Show, like you get with where it's that, um, where it's sort of cartoony, and so you have yeah, yeah. a host, but you, a horror host is meant to be funny. Yeah. yeah. Elvira, Dr. Demento, yeah. you know, exactly any of them. That was always the thing. You were always like this, the wacky host who sort of. And it's actually quite, I mean, it's quite nice to. Especially when things are getting so sort of like bleached out in terms of um, what you can put in, and people will be like, Well, you can't put that in because that's far, you know, that'd be far too offensive. What if someone watching this is saying, Fuck them? Yeah. But when, he's going, when he's going through it, it's just natural causes, natural yeah. causes, so boring. Ah, motor accidents. I really liked his. Mm. I remember that being quite cringy, and although it is a little bit, I I think it works perfectly. As you say, those horror hosts do go for that kind of cringy comedy. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's well, it's like the drink in the formaldehyde. It's all the real. They're all real bog basics of cliche cliche jokes that you would go for. But that's kind of yeah. That's That's what you want. Yeah, because originally this was meant to be a TV series. Mm-hmm. And um, what was it? They because it's it was shown first broadcast on Showtime, like the Pay Channel, US Pay Channel, yeah. Showtime. Uh, first broadcast on the eighth of August, nineteen ninety three, and essentially they wanted to rival um, HBO's Tales from the Crypt. So even even to the point of John Carpenter is fulfilling the Crypt Keeper yeah. role from Tales from the Crypt of being like the wacky zombie host and everything else like that. And then midway through filming, they just lost interest or maybe they just thought that's pro- we're probably on a hiding to nothing because like, Tales from the Crypt have been going about four years by this point. Mm. So um, so then they said they were just going to turn it... Turn, they basically made three episodes and they said, right, we'll do that. And um, the wraparound... Is actually uncredited, but it's directed by a guy called Larry Sulkis, um, who has worked mostly worked as a writer with John Carpenter. He did like Ghosts of Mars and Village of the Damned and stuff like that. Uh, but he also was the writer and producer of a kids' sketch show called Out of Control. Um, okay. But yeah, so obviously Toby Hooper directs I. The Sorry, third story. Sorry, going to open a beer. Hey. Um, do you want to make make a point of that being a non-alcoholic beer? Because otherwise it'll just sound like, oh, it's taking it, there you go. <laughs> now you've yeah, revealed we're recording back to back. It'll be like, he said he was He said he said was on the wagon in the last, what, what, what broke in, yes. the, in the last 15 Yeah, minutes? no, yeah. I, I haven't had a meltdown between episodes. It is nanny state I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so John Carpenter does Gas Station and Hair, Toby Hooper does mm. um, I. And I think, actually, I think you can tell that difference because mm. I is slightly nastier. Yeah. Because Toby Hooper, as we established in Poltergeist, mm. it's nasty Uncle Toby who, <laughs> yeah. comes, who comes and fucks with you. And you have, to get, you have to get nice Uncle Stephen to come in and make everything nice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and the... Writers and producers, guy guys called Billy Brown and Dan Angel, who basically went on to do loads of R.L. Stein TV stuff like oh, Goosebumps yeah, yeah. and things like that. So it's kind of what, obviously, where their interests yeah. lie. Um, yeah, and they did like I think they did like an episode of the X Files as well, and something called Spooksville. 
um, Night Visions, Extreme Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of really the, the backstory of the whole thing, other than, mm. you know, so... And it has to be said, I mean, I think they... The good thing is I think you get presented with three distinct flavours. Yeah. So the gas station is clearly a slasher film. Mm. Uh, Hair is A, the comedy one, but also the sci-fi one. Also, hands down, the fucking best one. It's so fucking funny. Um, And then uh, I is like your possession. Yeah. Possession by body part. Because actually that was the other thing as well because um, watched, I watched it with Claire and she actually thought, she said when we were watch, when we got to the eye story, she was like, ah, so I thought this was how, I thought this was what the last story was going to be. So she thought hair was going to mm. be possession oh, by hair. Yeah, and it was right. like, and she said, yeah, entirely because of The Simpsons. Yeah, because yeah, there's the yeah. story where uh, the Treehouse of Terror where um, Snake where Homer gets Snake's, Snake's hair, hair yeah. and it makes him act like Snake and mm. she was like yeah and I was like yeah it's just a long line of like Hands of the Ripper and all these things and Mad Love where it's just like oh you get given a murderer's hands and or mm. Dr. Sarah's house horrible you get given a murderer's feet yeah <laughs> yeah I see that you say this the bit I've I've got to say, despite the fact I, I love the cast in here mm. I thought they were ex- I mean Debbie Harry's is uh, finest in this, um, but I, I, I've got to say, I only enjoyed the first story. I, I thought the performances mm. were all great. Mm. Um, I loved the look of it and everything. I just thought the second two stories were really weak. I, I enjoyed Maybe. the first one, but the second two just didn't work for me. But I enjoyed them because, yeah. as I say, the performances were great, and I loved seeing the, you know, seeing Mark Hamill and mm. seeing David Warner and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen it before and I'll, I'm sure I will watch it again, but uh, I was very... So when you say you don't like stories, you don't like um, the idea of an eye possessing or I having did, some yeah, sort of... Yeah, I just, I just... That last story felt really sloppily done. Like, the story just didn't quite hold mm. together. It was a lot of... It was like too much stuff all going on. Like... I think that's the thing. As you say, with the anthologies, you do you are more forgiving mm, of a story that's I, I a bit ludicrous. To, yeah, I tend to feel it puts me in that state more. But I, for some reason, I was like, I don't see why seeing something from his eye that isn't his makes him suddenly want to, you know, yeah, murder I, his wife. I didn't quite... Yeah, but, but it, I, is, it is... What, yeah, but it, I think that's probably what it is. It's probably something where you've just seen it before because it is that cliche yeah, yeah. of transplant possession isn't it where but as you it? say if it's the hands or something like yeah. that where it's just one eye and I'm like okay so he keeps getting visions of, of the things that happened to somebody previously but I don't get why it then changes his voice and makes him want to kill so I don't but see actually I mean and, and if you want a really good um, the eye the Korean yeah. film no. that is fucking yeah that's but it, brilliant. But it works in that. Like, no, that's what I mean. Is is that is a so, really, so really why is that different? Um, basically, uh, the the plot of that is is that someone has their someone gets the corneas, but they were a psychic or they were a spirit, mm. a, a, like a medium, and so they start seeing um, ghosts and 
they start seeing dead people mm. and it features and there is a scene in that that I think I've mentioned it on the on the show before but there is a scene in that that I was watching in a room with about three other people in broad daylight like it, and like height of summer windows open curtains drawn like wind mm. and trying to get some wind going and everything else like that and I'm literally going get out the fucking lift get out the fucking yeah. lift <laughs> so it was sort of it worked. Yeah. You know, it definitely worked. <laughs> it really does. And I think with hair as well, I think it was just... I don't know. The comedy ones don't normally work for me in an mm. anthology when you have... It, in the last film that we covered last week when we did The House That Drip Blood, the comedy one at the end, I actually really liked. But normally the comedy one is the one that I'm a bit... Oh, yeah, I'm not as keen on that. And I think that was the problem so with I this one. So I think the wraparound definitely set me up for expecting... Almost More anything, comedy. really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, but and the first one, the first one was like really. I suppose it seemed like more of a story, and it, it built the tension well. Yeah. It kind of set it up, and then she's there, and the different people arriving at the gas station, their different requirements, and mm. you know, um. So uh, yeah, I mean, that, I guess that felt more like almost watching a film, a full film. Yeah. Um, whereas the other seemed like more. Uh, shortened snippets of yeah, like you say, like a Tales from the Crypt episode mm. type thing, rather than. I mean, it may yeah. have even it may have even been that that dip was perceived by Showtime. That might be why they decided yeah. to cut their losses. It's yeah. like you've got this really strong opening, mm-hmm. yeah, and then the other two we're not so sure about, yeah, yeah. you know, um, because I think the. Because the gas station, I remember the first time I saw it, because it was around it was around the time that I was really getting into John Carpenter, and then it was on, like, Channel Four or whatever. But it was on one night, and it was like, oh, it's like an anthology film with John Carpenter, and genuinely, that first one is fucking tense. Yeah, you know, he, John Carpenter, just pulls. It's like, right, I will give you a pure shot of all the dread that I put into Halloween, that I yeah. put into The Fog, yeah. and all these, you know, films where he's really... And it's just like, right, it's like a pure shot of that tension. Yeah. Mm. But he manages to build the atmosphere, oh, even man. in that short time, yeah. He I mean, doesn't let up either, no, does he? Mm. Like, literally, from the first time she walks into mm. that booth, yeah. and the tension stuff and every yeah. time it brings somebody in you go yeah. no it's this yeah. one. Oh, oh no it isn't it's this yeah. one. Oh my and, and, and you recognise them all what? as well it's like oh my god it's Wes Craven yeah and right. so, so I didn't recognise him you may not be too surprised to yeah. know I don't know if I've seen him in anything else I don't think he he's not a regular for doing that sort of thing and the dead body who falls out of the locker, that's Sam Raimi. Yeah. Mm. And apparently Clive Barker was meant to be in this at some point, but he, uh, I think he was, like, he couldn't, like, scheduling conflicts, so yeah, he couldn't yeah. do it. But, because, uh, not jumping around too much, but obviously in the eye you get Roger Corman yeah. as his doctor. Mm. And it's perfect casting because Roger Corman, it was like, Oh, if Roger Coleman came in and told me I had six months, I'd be calm about it because yeah. of his beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah. So. And it's funny because so the other doctor who's with him, mm. the older guy, I was like, I know him. I definitely, and it was really winding me up. And then all of a sudden I was like, it's the guy in Nightbreed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. John, John Agar, yeah. Yeah. Because he's in, yeah, he gets, he, he's 
gets killed by button phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in a way, like having a cast like this also make puts me in the sort of sense of I'm not expecting it to be necessarily like fantastic in uh, in the way you'd expect because it, it just gives it that sort of a uh, almost casual fun. Mm. It's like a party sort yeah, of atmosphere. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like Debbie Harry comes in for a couple of days mm. to play a saucy nurse. Yeah. Uh, Twiggy, Twiggy's going to turn up yeah. and play Mark Hamill's wife. You know, and it's a Luke Skywalker's in today. <laughs> we're going to we're going to give him a bloodshot eye. Like, I wonder if yeah. it would actually be possible to make you know a, a sort of a, a like an eight or nine out of ten movie with. It almost feels like it's an impossible task in a way. Well, it would, but except as I say, the one that worked for me was the first one, mm. where it kind of it didn't draw me out every time. I was like, oh, it's the guy from American yeah. Werewolf, and oh, yeah. it's Sam Raimi, and uh, yeah. Ted Raimi, sorry, in the like, no, it's Sam Raimi. Still, oh, it's, it's Sam, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it kind of it doesn't. Oh my God, he looks like his brother when he was young. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that kind of didn't draw me out mm. as much as it did in the later ones. As I say, I think because the third story, despite Mark Hamill's performance, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Oh no, I love I love his performance, but he's doing the accent deliberately. Whereas Twiggy, Whereas Twiggy is just I thought drifting. she was just being British, and then yeah. halfway through it, I was like, why has she started speaking American? This is exactly is what the twist. This is exactly what Claire said. <laughs> but I think the uh, I think the other point is is that I think like you were saying Chris is it probably doesn't it, it doesn't great because you're it, it's 25 minutes yeah so yeah if, if you watch about if, it. if you watch someone like doing a, a bloody awful accent for, for, for a whole film you, you're sick of the fucking sight of them by it's funny, I must have some blockage to it because I just never notice accents I didn't notice hers change you wait I'd say, I'd, if I watch it again I might this I is going to be a spoiler for our what we've been watching episode but it's so relevant I'd be so annoyed if I didn't bring it up right now so I watched Morbius mm. oh yes yeah Matt Smith in that <laughs> I cannot work out what he was trying to do he kept speaking as Matt Smith does, in a very middle-class accent. And then he kept sliding into Ray Winston at the end. So he'd, he'd just be talking normally. Well, the problem is, if only you would come to our side and realise that actually this is a great opportunity. He shouldn't see it as a curse. The fucking idiot! I don't know what's wrong with him! And I'm like, why have you turned into the, like, the, the cockney dog from fucking... Bang, bang, it's Reeves and Mortimer in the middle of a sentence. Oh, oh. He kept doing it. I wonder, because this apparently is quite a common thing, um, is I wonder if it's... He's gone to America and told them that he's harder than he is. <laughs> no, you know you know, like um, Hugh Laurie? Where, yeah, yeah. Where in America it's like every woman floods their basement and he's like, oh my God, look at him, he's... He's so stubbly and aggressive and miserable and everything else like that. And over here, yeah, he's is. the Prince Regent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I say, Blackadder, what's going on? You know, <laughs> it's funny. I had that has just sunk into me so badly that the Blackadder thing. When I was watching uh, for last week's episode, when we did the House That Drip Blood, um, and I said I watched. Um, uh, the Ross Jones other film oh, yes, on YouTube. Yeah. There's a bit on that when, he's, when there's a knock at the door and he says, who could that be? And in my brain, the first thing I thought is, 
on a cold, dark Christmas night. Maybe it's a robin. <laughs> Could be a robin. It's just ruined everything. Black Hedder has just spoiled it. <laughs> but, and I have to say, top marks to uh, Alex Datcher, who like is the main character, Anne, in the gas station. Mm-hmm. Because I expected to look on IMDb and just be like, oh, you've been in loads of shit. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't really done that much. But I think she's fucking great. Yeah. In this. She yeah. really is so good but also not it she's not it's not a classic sort of slasher heroine of like oh for fuck's sake you know she does shit that's like the first time she locks herself out Mm. and then she goes to walk out again it's like keys you know so she doesn't like fuck up twice yeah you know and also just top marks for dropping a car on a murderer yeah, you know that's that. That's a that's a way to go. As it is, she she totally carries that first one. I mean, because mm. it is it is a, it's it's her in a the, series of cameos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she does an absolutely brilliant job. Um, yeah, I I I thought she was outstanding, really. And I kept thinking because I've only seen it once before. I knew there was a twist at the end, and in my mind, I kept going. Is she the killer? Mm. Is that what it is? Are these all actually potential victims rather than mm. potentially being yeah. the killer? Um, yeah, as you say, because her performance was so outstanding, I was like, I kind of expected her to something. Yeah, because yeah. because the, obviously they do. It's it's quite subtle for for a film that you know also features someone pushing in a window with a sledgehammer <laughs> and crushing someone under a fucking car lift. <laughs> it's quite subtle where it's the bit where he says, right, well, I'm Bill and here's my number. And then you, when she drops the photograph and then puts it back up and it's employee of the month, Bill, but it's obviously a different person because yeah. it's Sam Raimi, looking oddly like Marcus Parks. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, Yeah, and so they have that sort of little bit in there, but also... There's, it, it's got, because obviously you've got like fucking Wes Craven just looks fucking wrong in any way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he is, but you know, not not in a bad way, but he is. He's the best type of wrong. Yeah, he's the, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, and, but then I love it when the, um, when Peter Jason's character turns up, you know, the, well, what are you doing, honey? Mm. You yeah. are you? <laughs> and but also just the whole thing because again, it's like that's one of those characters you expect to get axed to death who doesn't. Yeah. Because it's that whole thing of weirdo, eh? I'll go and check on him. Yeah. And yeah, but I he because he, he's in a lot of because he was in Prince of Darkness. He's in in the Mouth of Madness, and he's and actually I recently watched Ghost of Mars, and he's he's the train driver in Ghost of Mars, and I'd forgotten about that, but. If you want a real treat, listen to him and um, John Carpenter's commentary for Prince of Darkness, hmm. because that is essentially him. That, that mm. He is just, uh, you know, just like uh, a very happy to be here, man. <laughs> and, um, but, I love that. It's that proper all-American boy, isn't yeah. it? Like, he's there in his leisure suit, and as yeah. you say, he's got the pissed wife with him. and Yeah, where it's like, you have to lift up the handle. What? Um, yeah but it's a nice little like you say it's a nice little stream of people that come through that sort of in a 
it's odd because it kind of half like like when they turn up, it sort of relieves the tension mm. because you're like she's clearly safe with these two. Yeah. Even though they're ineffectual. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. If, if shit goes down, they're not going to be of any bloody use. But she's it's clear for moral support. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like you just sit there and it's like the relief of, oh, well, she's not on her own. But they've still got that thread of throwing you off the scent a little bit where you don't quite know, like you say, he goes to check on him. Yeah. So you still don't know exactly what's going to happen with them. It's not like they're no. just... Um, you know, they're there and gone. It's still like, oh, something could go on here. So I think each person that comes along, you're questioning it again. Yeah, because when the homeless guy comes up behind her and it's really fucking quick, yeah, that is actually far more so than like the classic. Because she she does go veer into Laurie Strode territory of just well, I'm just going to sit here and not look at the body while I. <laughs> think about what I've done yeah. and he slowly gets up mm. again because again this is a film where it was like I couldn't quite remember and I, I knew I knew that something happened and for some reason I was just expecting uh, that the couple to come back and accidentally run him over <laughs> or so, do you know what I mean I couldn't yeah. quite remember that the, the sort of how it played out mm. um, but yeah, I think sort of like yeah, when the homeless guy comes up and it's just really quick, that's actually really fucking. That's heart and mouth shit, and you're not yeah. even you're not even there yet. You know yeah. what I mean? It's sort of, but John Carpenter just that's what he does, mm. and his music on it is fantastic. Music's him and Jim Lang, and they were the guys, and that was the guy he did in the mouth of madness with, mm. and you can really hear it in places, yeah. especially like on the coroner's bits where it's just that sort of proper, like. Rourke guitar sort yeah. of thing uh, Jim Lang who incidentally whose main other claim to fame is he did all the music on Hey Arnold the oh, right, kids okay. football edited TV show that, yeah, yeah. yeah but um, but yeah that, the, the guy who plays the homeless guy is um, Buck Flower um, who just has been in fucking everything but he's in a lot of John Carpenter stuff and yeah. this does seem to be you can see that John Carpenter was sort of like brought on board and then brought a lot of people on board. Because yeah. obviously he would have just been working with David Warner because of uh, In the Mouth of Madness and, you know, there's like Peter Jason. There's a, a lot of people that he obviously... And mates. Yeah, yeah. Toby Hooper and Wes Craven and Sam Raimi and everything, you know, it was just bringing them in as well. Um, yeah, Buck Flower, he's, he's fantastic. Because he's... I went, oh, yeah, I forgot he was in this. And Jennifer went, who is he? And I was like... Oh, he's always the old drunk in he, yeah. everything. He's always an old drunk, homeless, or a homeless old drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that is his. That is his. But he does just, it well. Well, yeah. he does it well because so many people hired him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's one of those ones where it's like he is either a fantastic guy to get along with, or he's got a lot of pictures of people in, that they don't want to see behind the dark. Because it's because yeah because he never sort of gets he never plays a major role in anything you know I mean they live is probably the biggest role I've seen him yeah in. Um, but yeah and he's sort of uh, there's um, but I did notice there is a help there's a reference to uh, Haddonfield yes I I because it's that, the mur- yeah. like right at the start when she goes in and the radio's playing and it's like there was a body found in Haddonfield. So Jennifer said at that point, she was like, Haddonfield, that's in something. And it was that proud 
proud parent moment where I was mm. like, oh, she's learning. Well done, my Padwell. <laughs> I think at this point she picks up half as much of this stuff as I do, so I can't really... <laughs> also, also, can I just say, the graffiti in the Kazi, mm. the guy had talent. Yeah, I said exactly yeah. the same. I was like, whoever's doing that should have an art installation somewhere because mm. that's fantastic. That needs to be on the back <laughs> of a jacket or on the bonnet of a car. Or... Not only that, but also, that, you know, do it on a bit of paper, you can take it with you. Yeah. You know, don't, don't waste it on a bog wall in, yeah. like, in a shitty fucking repair shop and gas station. <laughs> And I know, I know it's a, I know it's a, a, a thing anyway. But it still never fails to make me laugh about uh, American gas station toilet keys, where they're always attached to fucking a massive, thing, massive things, so they won't nick them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we had that story that was outstanding, and then we went on to Hair, which was the Stacy Keach mm. um, no, story. No, neither of you are, are quite as follically challenged as I am. No. Uh, so I, I definitely had a, an amount of sympathy for him. Now, I didn't do anywhere near as, as much <laughs> when, when it happened to me, but, you know, you can appreciate... He looks like someone who kind of needs his hair to to really sort him out. Hello. We were saying this watching it. I think that's the thing. I think now, like, the bald look is so accepted, mm. and so many people do it who don't even need to necessarily, no. just as a style choice. Yeah. But yeah, I think in the eighties, I think it was seen as like a oh, it was a oh, very... this is the end of your life. Like, if you've lost your hair, it's all over. And now you just go, just shave it off. It's fine. Like, Whereas the curious thing is, is that baldness is actually a, usually a byproduct of excessive tos- testosterone. Hmm. So the weird thing was that it was like, oh, I'm you know, you're becoming less potent yeah, or whatever yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like actually probably the reverse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your balls must be fizzing. Yeah. <laughs> also, astronauts. I'm just putting it out there. Every fucking astronaut has got a moustache and male pattern baldness. Yeah. And I don't think it's just the helmets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're that tight fitting. But, yeah, I think you do... I also... Because, um, again, like, packed with fucking, like, people, do, like, sidelining from their day job. Because Sheena Easton... Yeah. ...is, like, as the girlfriend. But, again... And similar to when we were talking about um, John Pertwee and Ingrid Pitt in House That Drip Blood, mm. they felt like a real couple. Mm, yeah. And also, I just love the fact that she is not... It's not from her. It's yeah. entirely within him that yeah. he is... Mm. Yeah. She's fine with it. She's fine with it, and it's like... And actually, not so fine with the things he's trying. Yeah, I mean, when, when he comes to the door and he's just, like, fucking painted. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> The problem is that's as you say. Like I'm very like, I, it, it is as we would just say. You know, bald is a look now. It's a style choice. Not, and not lots just of people Nazis. do it. Exactly. Others can also. Yeah. But I think that'd be me. I think I would be that person who just I, I can watch on somebody else. I go actually that really suits you. That looks really good. But for me, it would be every make waking moment would be trying to escape or think and like. And the thing is, you know none of this stuff works mm. because yeah. that's why nobody has managed to... Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody you know has gone bald and um, then isn't. This, but no, they yeah. still buy it. All this expensive, ridiculous... Well, I mean, even, even hair transplants aren't particularly 
successful. Convincing. And the pain you've got to go through exactly. individually putting the hairs yeah. in. Like, yeah. It's got to be getting like... I think, I think for the head. right types of baldness, they can yeah. do something, but it does depend. Yeah. Well, I th- but also, I mean, I think, like you say, I think from the time this was... It was especially yeah. men of a certain age going mm. bald was like, like oh I'm old yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like you are fucking old, but I mean I think actually what's probably happened is the fact that everyone suddenly a lot of people suddenly a lot of vain people woke up to the thing that it's like holy shit Patrick Stewart doesn't look any fucking different from like the eighties yeah. 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 Because he's never had hair to be yeah. either shitly styled, you know. So there's not a, there's not he hasn't got like curtains or liberty spikes in like, <laughs> old pictures or whatever like that. But also, it really doesn't age you, mm. yeah, in a curious way, you know. As soon as it, once it's gone, mm. I mean, look at like I mean, um, like you know, like people like I mean, fucking RuPaul, mm. like when he's obviously out of drag, yeah, yeah. But I mean, RuPaul's like pushing seventy, mm. and they don't look it. No. Um, Richard O'Brien, you know, again, mm. yeah. all these people who don't seem to age, but it's because they've never had, yeah. you've never had hair to contextualise your ageing. Mm. Yeah. So it's actually quite the reverse of what a lot of people were thinking at the time. But um, so you could you could kind of see this one as almost a public service announcement. You know, yeah. Like whatever you do, don't go for any of these crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't go through any of these crazy like, treatments. Yeah. Never fucking trust David Warner. <laughs> no. Or Debbie Harry. Or Debbie Harry. Yeah. I, I I do love I, I do love when she's just basically egging egging yeah. it on when they go because that lovely thing where it's like it's like the thing they used to do at um, I think they still do it but it's not as crap now but like the thing they used to do at like the opticians where it's like oh here's you in round glasses here's you in mm, yeah. you know where it's like uh, but just putting the different hairstyles yeah. on everything it's like really shoddy so. but um, also I really liked the um, Victor Kayan reference where it's uh, David Warner I I thought it was so good I bought the company yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Remington Fuzz away and the, yeah. yeah I just so that I really mm. But also just the the number of people going, but who is this guy? He's new. Yeah. That again, he's like, you know. I, I love that hairstylist as well. Yeah, he's great. He yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I tell you what as well, I have to say, this is like a made-for-TV, well, essentially made-for-TV, but a made-for-TV movie mm. um, from 1993. That hair is really fucking good. Like yeah. The, when it's crawling away, and it's quite yeah. simple, but it works mm. really, really, really well. And I, um, but and, and actually, also, the hair coming out of the mouth, yeah. that, that is a proper, because Claire actually said, I think this is possibly the worst thing you've shown me. Of <laughs> all the things that I've watched while you've been mm. watching, uh, while you've been doing well for the horror. And, she was like, because she looked up and just went, no, 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 I can't look at that. And because, yeah, it is a bit. But, um, but yeah, no, I think I, I always like, I, I always quite like the absurd ones. Mm-hmm. I quite like the silly ones. Um, 
and uh, and David Warner got to do a speech that starts with, "You humans are so," and you know, <laughs> which just immediately suits him. Also, I have to say, the music in that bit, hmm. boy, can you tell that Twin Peaks has just been on? Yeah, because it is just such a rip off mm. of like the. the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, that feels very simple jazz. The sort of brushes and sort of walking bass lines and stuff like that really, 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 um, really comes before. And also, again, probably wasn't as... Well, actually, no, I mean, 93, but where it's the Roswell hair care thing yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is just, which, it, which, weirdly enough, is now a reference that is so sort of overused and everything. Mm. Um but back then probably was slightly more mm, yeah that, in the that was slightly more of an easter egg rather than yeah you know everyone knows Not what sure. Ross really is <laughs> but yeah I say that end and the last thing with all of these I remember the stories but I didn't remember how oh, yeah. any of them ended yeah yeah no I was so much the same I was Cause, surprised because isn't there there's a, there's a Stephen King anthology and Mark Hamill's in that mm I'm sure there's like because there's like a Stephen King three uh, part and it's not Creep Show it's another mm. one and I'm sure Mark Hamill's in that and I get the two confused or like conflate the two and yeah. think and thinking one is like oh does he succeed in this one does he kill mm. someone in this one I can't remember <laughs> but um, and also I fucking adore that montage where he's like looking at the woman with like long flowing hair yeah. and then the man yeah. and then another man and his dog <laughs> yeah. all with long flowing locks it's just and the guy with the dog is Greg Nicotero the makeup uh, guy mm. who's oh I didn't recognise him no I uh, to be honest it was I I only because I'd sort of been looking at the cast and everything on IMDB and I was like alright oh, okay you know because it just had man with dog and I'm like I probably won't spot him it's like <laughs> no no that's fairly prominent that's yeah. a fairly prominent role in this <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I can I can see that it wouldn't be to everyone's. Well, I can see that it wouldn't be to everyone's taste, but it's probably my favourite in it, just because I think it is. I like the weirdness. It's probably definitely the two carpenter ones are much more. Sort of my yeah. wheelhouse, I think really. Um, although the eye is still, you know, you've got Mark Hamill. Well, that's, so that's it. Like it's difficult <laughs> to know if it wasn't Mark Hamill, what would I have thought and. Yeah, I'm sure that would have reduced it somewhat, but um, I'd have to watch it again and try and have a neutral view. I think that is the thing. I think if you took Mark Hamill out of that one, it would be almost unwatchable, if I'm honest. Yeah, I um, think you sort of... There, there was definitely a, you know, how is this going to go? What is he going to do next? I was mm. definitely watching it I'll with t- him in mind. I'll tell you what, though. Is there a part of me that thinks that he learnt nothing on that fucking moisture farm? Because him putting them stakes in is a fucking shit show. Yeah. Where it's obviously meant to be, just do it really fast because you know what you're doing. No, don't do it really fast because you look it looks yeah. shit, mate. <laughs> I also, at that point, was kind of like, oh, come on, Mark, dig a bit deeper. And then the foot's there and it's like, actually, yeah, in fairness, if I'm the guy... <laughs> If I'm the actor underneath there whose foot is under some dirt, yeah, yeah you'd be it's fucking tentative, yeah. Yeah, Skywalker. Yeah. Watch it. 
because he did so I, I just thought oh, he's, you know he, now his digging's rubbish is he doing <laughs> okay? and then it's like fuck yeah fair enough you didn't want to like split and <laughs> snap someone's ankle off with yeah. a shovel <laughs> but you've got in, in this one obviously like like I said we've got Roger Corman being wonderful we've got John Agar who again I just love him it's just like he he feels so reassuring as a doctor. Yeah. It's it's a curious thing because and again there's no unlike unlike the the uh, hair episode. There's no they're not doing anything malicious. They're not doing anything evil. Mm-hmm. They're just trying trying to, this yeah, technique yeah. and it happens to be that they got it off of a murderer. But but um, also you've got. Um, not not big role, but the baseball coach hmm. Charles Napier, yeah, yeah, uh, who obviously is the head of the good old boys from yes. uh, um, the Blues Brothers, and you're going to play funny corn on a cabinet, fucking cheese. <laughs> um, but he's up in Silence of the Lambs. But I did find out he's the voice of the Incredible Hulk on TV. You really? know, you know, like the the series. Yeah. So all the ah is actually <laughs> Charles Napier. <laughs> That's a good job to have. He's a pretty good, yeah. I mean, in fairness, I mean, Lou Ferrino's quite a gentle soul, so he probably just couldn't growl. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like, I don't want to growl, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, it, I honestly think it's something in the editing of that last one. Like, cause mm. it feels like there's too much going on in that very short space of time. Mm. Um, whereas the others are fairly, they're about the same length, but they're pretty straightforward stories, whereas that one just had an, oh, she's having a baby and he's putting the crib together. Oh, and he's now he's digging a hole. Now he's done. Oh, he's back at the hospital. Now we're it? getting the flashback to his abusive drunk mother and yeah, stuff like and that. I and was like, just what? like, where is this? What? Yeah. And I just, I, yeah, I just couldn't keep up. It, and I was sober. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, oh. That, that could have been the problem. It, oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, it just felt very messy to me, whereas the others were... Pretty linear and tight, and yeah, they they knew where they were going. I feel that, like you say, it, it feels almost like there was a failure with the edit. Yeah, like, or but, it felt like there was padding. It felt like mm. the story wouldn't last a vignette length, and they had to pad it with other stuff. Like, yeah, I'll just put some other weird shots in of stuff that he's imagining, and we'll yeah. just chuck that in. And, and it, yeah, it just felt dawdly and I was like how can it be dawdly in an anthology film that's the point you just get in you tell your story you get out see actually but I think that's when you do an anthology series you do sometimes have that moment where you're like you've you know you've you've got half an hour and you really haven't got half an hour's worth of material which is such a weird thing when you Mm. sort of especially when you sort of watch anthology movies a lot and you know we 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 do quite a lot on on this on the podcast yeah it's sometimes it is quite weird when you're like seriously you haven't got 15 minutes (laughs) but you're putting it on you've put it in there you know it's and it just feels a bit sort of yeah strange i i'm glad it didn't go to a series because i think it would have just been possibly law of diminishing returns Mm. Um, although I still think it would have been quite nice if John Carpenter had become a horror host. I was about to say, I would tune in every week and watch John Carpenter and then quite possibly turn it off. (laughs) And in a marvellous example of what we were talking about, of like, you know, people 
being recognisable and stuff like that, or you sort of d- didn't realise or whatever like that. So obviously John Carpenter plays the coroner, as this character is called, and then the two others come in, yeah. one of whom is Toby Hooper, mm. the, the diminutive little bearded one. The other one's Tom Arnold. Mm. Now, I, was, I said to Claire, it's Tom Arnold. And she went, who's that? And I said, right, he's in True Lies, and he's the cowboy who thinks Austin Powers is having a big shit in Austin Powers' <laughs> International Man of Mystery. And she was like, that's where I know him from. And you look on IMDb, and he's got like 200-odd credits, yeah. and that is literally the two things that you could probably <laughs> point someone in the direction of. Um, he was married to Roseanne as well for a while. Mm. Oh, okay. um, yeah, because she became Roseanne Arnold for a, like, a couple of series of Roseanne mm. or whatever like that. But yeah, so, but yeah. I mean, the only other claim to fame for me for Tom Arnold is that he appears as himself in another Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, uh, Treehouse of Terror. He's on the plane of useless people being fired into the sun. <laughs> Where it's like Rosie O'Donnell, Paulie Shaw, <laughs> Homer and Bart, and then, oh my God, Tom Arnold. Yeah, isn't that a kicker? I didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> well, at, least he, at least he turned up and did his own voice. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I did quite like um, John Carpenter hopping into his own body bag. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, that whole thing just seemed like, yeah, he is just a cheeky, you know. It's that, well, he, he's the, it's a proper horror host mm. thing of, like, it's, it's puns, mm. like, it's puns, the most obvious fucking jokes, the silliness, the wackiness, and usually quite, and quite up as well, like quite yeah. high energy. You don't, mm. you know, sort of, I mean, obviously Elvira works on a, a, a kind of seductive level, mm. you know, but, but essentially it's, you get a manic thing from them because it's trying to, I think a lot of the time it's probably because it's trying to keep up the energy of like, we're actually watching a film from the 50s and there's great long bits of talking. I was just about to say, <laughs> I think it's because a lot of those films are quite dull. So it's like, right, we need to wake you up so that just as you start drifting off, you know, in yeah. 20 minutes' time when it's time for the adverts, they come back on and perk you back up mm. and get it all going again mm. and keep you. But, yeah. As to be said, did you watch... I can't, I can't remember when it... Because it came up. Did you watch The Misfits? Uh, no, thing? I've not. I kept meaning to. Because, bless them, they're not. They're not horror hosts in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I do. I, yeah, I did make a note that I was going to go and have a search yeah. and see if I could find some, but I didn't. But yeah, I would love to see them doing a horror host bit. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, I think. Quite frankly, I think. Uh, also, very exciting. I have seen a clip from uh, the new monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you? Because thinking of horror hosts and that yeah. Rob Zombie would be quite a good horror host, probably. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I've seen a clip. It's just, it was just uh, Herman and Lily dancing with Uncle Gilbert. Oh, I did see that. Yes, I did see that. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I'm very keen. I know we're going slightly off topic, but yeah, I am keen to see how that's going to go. Mm. Um, the stuff from the set and everything looks fantastic. I I I think he could pull it off. I said, I don't want to get Jinx too excited. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm keen to see. And, and I still maintain if anybody can do it, he's probably the best person. But it still doesn't mean I think he can do it. But we'll see. 
we shall see. Watch this space. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, the... Uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I was going to say is, if you want an example of how great Twiggy is, Google her being interviewed by a friend of the podcast, Woody Allen, uh, <laughs> Um But, uh, no, she uh, basically owns him completely, because mm. it's back from the 60s when, obviously, she was a fucking cultural phenomenon, yeah. you know. Um, and it's her, him interviewing her and saying, so who's your favourite philosopher in a sort of like, oh, look, the dumb bird's not going to know. Yeah. But, and she's like, she just goes, oh, don't really know any. What are their names? Who's yours? <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, right, okay. And it's, <laughs> it's like, well done, mate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so... That's everything. Thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, we don't currently know what we're going to be covering on the next episode uh, because in next month is listener request. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It, it is, but we're going to do uh, uh, what we, we've been watching. Yes, we will. So our next episode is going to be a what we've been watching. Um, and once we've done that, we will hopefully have all of our votes in for... Uh, listener request month and we will choose one then so if you haven't already put something in for listener request month please do there might still be time I don't know how this is going to work out with when we're recording that episode when it goes up but send it to us and if it doesn't make it in this one then we'll have another listener request month later down the line and we'll keep it in for then mm. uh, so yeah get those into us uh, it's info at welcome to horror.com or you can contact us on the Instagram. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.